0: You are wonderful and beautiful, that nothing is too difficult for you. And so God, whether it's a person who's battling with some kind of a physical affliction or infirmity, God, we pray that you would touch their body, Lord, that you would help them to glorify your great name by helping them to believe that you can do anything. For those, Lord, who might not know Jesus as Savior, may today, Lord, be that day that they trust him for the forgiveness of their sins and their whole life will completely dramatically be altered. Bless, Lord, to get into your word. Help us to understand scripture. Holy Spirit, would you be our teacher and lead us through this? We pray against all distractions, all works of the enemy, all the wily ways that the devil can try to just thwart the plans of God. But you prevail, Lord. You prevail. Do you believe that, church? Do you believe that he prevails? You prevail, Lord. You are El Elyon, God most high. There is no other God higher than you, no other God greater than you. Oh, Lord, speak to us. There are people in this room that need to have hope. As we get back into this series, Lord, bring the hope. Help us to realize that hope can really help us to move forward. I just want you to quiet at this moment. Just bef- between you and the Spirit of God, just say, Holy Spirit, I want to hear. I want to hear you to hear what you have for me today. Just say that to him, just quietly to yourself and to the Lord and to the Spirit of God. Speak to me. Speak to me. Help me to see. Help me to understand. In Jesus' mighty name we all pray. Amen? Amen. You may be seated. wife was messing with my pulpit. you see her touching the pulpit when she was up here? Let's take our Bibles and go to Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24, I want to look at verses 36 down to verse 53. Appreciate those who came down and helped us. It's not an easy thing to be up here in front of others. In fact, one of the greatest fears that people have is speaking in front of people. And so for those folks to come down and help me out and to really encourage you to be part of a small group. Thank you so much for doing that. It's not an easy thing. And so what I need for you to do as I get into the Word of God is as you're listening to the Word preached, that you would keep praying throughout the message. Would you try to do that? Keep praying. God, Spirit move. Spirit move. Help Chris. You know, come down here in power and help me to hear the Word of God. Luke chapter 24, verses 36 to verse 53. Of course, this is the end of the great gospel of Luke, and so we're going to finish that. I want to begin by saying some words of introduction. At times, everyone needs help moving forward. Would you agree with that? Have you ever found your place in your life and you're kind of stuck and you're and you're not able to to, to break free of something, and so you need to move forward, but you're not exactly sure where to go or how to get there? Has anybody ever struggled with something like that? Lift your hand and just say, "Yes, that's me. That's been me at various times." We're all there. How about when a financial situation happens? You need the help of others. You need the help of other people to help move you forward financially. Maybe it's a divorce that happened in your life, and and you remember those days, and you remember, wow, I don't know if I'm going to make it financially. I don't know how I'm going to get from here to there. Maybe it was a support system of family and friends when you went through a traumatic, something physically traumatic happened to you. You ended up in the hospital, and you needed these people to come around you to support you and to help you move forward. How about if your car breaks down? If you ever had your car break down and you start to panic, you're thinking, oh no, you know? And so your car breaks down and and you just need somebody to come alongside of you to help you to move forward. I remember when I was driving a FedEx truck, I did FedEx and UPS. And so I remember taking my FedEx truck and I had a tendency to go almost anywhere where no man would go, right? And so I would drive my truck and find any house. And I remember being at, kind of a, a day like today, windy, a little bit rainy and snowy and icy, and I pulled my truck off to the side of the road and went to the door to deliver that package, came back to my truck, and I tried to move out and move forward from this little embankment that I had pulled my truck over to, and I couldn't move. And, and the more I couldn't move forward, the more I panicked. And so I was like getting all frustrated, and I was getting angry, and I was like, you know what, I probably should pray about this. And so I went to the Lord. I said, Lord, only you can move me forward. Only you can get me out of this ditch. Wouldn't you know it? A big garbage truck comes down the road and he stops right next to me and goes, Hey, you want me to pull you out of that? I have a big chain and I can hook you up and I can pull you out. And I said, Yes, yes. So he hooks the chain up, pulls my truck out. And I start to move forward again. He goes, you know, it's kind of odd. I wasn't supposed to come down this street today. <laughs> it's the Lord. He wants us to move forward. How do we move forward in our life from where we're at? God is always faithful to provide a way forward. You may be feeling that there's no door options. I don't know if you remember this TV show, but remember remember that TV show? It was a game show, and there was doors that you got to choose. It was either option number one or door number two or what, door number three. Remember what that show was, that game show? What was that? Let's make a deal. And so we're like that. Christians are like that. Oh, God, give me a door of opportunity. Have you ever said that about that? God's will. Give me a door of opportunity. And we start to play this, let's make a deal with God. God, if you do this, then I'll do that. And if you do this, then I'll do that. And that's not how you move forward. It's not how you get from where you are to where you need to be. Job was in many very traumatic situations, and he wanted to move forward. He wanted to get to from where he was to this new place of, of growth and prosperity and peace and calmness again. And when pain pale piles high around you, you want out and forward, but how? Job said this, where then is my hope? That's the title of the series, where then is my hope? I know it's out there somewhere, I know it's out there, but I don't know where, and I don't know how to get it, and Job was battling with all of that, and so, so far we've seen hope enters in and overcomes, and hope is that person of Jesus, and when Jesus came in to Jerusalem, The great triumphal entry. Hope was entering into the city, but much more than that. This is hope personified. And just like Jerusalem was rejecting the hope that God was offering, so can't people reject and they give a pushback. They stiff-arm God. The hope of the world's coming into you. He's coming close to you. And you might have family members and loved ones saying, wait a minute, no, he's coming close to you. Hope is entering in and you're going, no. And you're pushing back like Jerusalem did against the Savior. Hope enters into our life. It's Jesus, and he overcomes, and he overcame death and hell. He overcame the grave. And then we saw hope is hard to hold on to. How many people realize that hope is really hard to hold on to? You can find yourself having hope, and then all of a sudden it's like slipping through your fingers. And so we looked at last Sunday that we need to remain in places where God is working. Listen, if, you, if God is working in your life now and you sense it and you know it, you gotta stay there. Don't wander off. Don't be like those two that wandered from Jerusalem down the Emmaus Road. Stay where God is moving. Remain there. Number two, remember his word to you, the scriptures. He is speaking to you. Remember the word of God. Meditate on scripture. Number three, request the Holy Spirit to fill you up again and, and to fill you afresh. number four, regain a vision of the character of God. I wanted to know this morning that God is good. You're saying, no, he's not. And so I'm praying that you would understand the character and the attributes of God, that he is good and he's always been good. And so what we're gaining or regaining is a vision of who he is. That's how you hold on to hope. And then you repent. That's number five. And that's where you're going one direction. You start to realize where you went off and you started wandering away from God or the church or other Christians. And Now you're going to repent and say, you know what, I'm coming back. I'm coming back. So what I want to do this morning is I've titled this message, When Hope Helps You Move Forward. Luke chapter 24, verses 36 to 53. Here's the title, When Hope Helps You to Move Forward. There are four ways that hope is going to help you move forward. Here's number one. Hope helps when we believe that God still manifests himself to us in the middle of our uncertainties. That's number one. Number one. This is in verse 36 down to verse 38. God still manifests. He shows up in our life in the middle of our uncertainties. Let's look at the text together. Go to verse 36. And as they were talking about these things, who's the they? It's the two that were on the way to Emmaus. They had gone back to Jerusalem after they saw Jesus and understood it was really him on the road there. So they head back to Jerusalem. And as they were talking, there's this group of disciples and apostles and people that are talking about the empty tomb and they're talking about jesus rising from the dead jesus himself it says stood among them and he said to them what peace to you but they were startled and frightened and thought that they had saw spirit and he said to them why are you troubled and why do you do doubts arise in your heart you stop there God is always active in our lives, even when we don't see it. I'm sure that if we were in that room with all of those people that were uncertain about the things that they were hearing about Jesus, wait a minute, Jesus is alive. The two come back and they say, wait a minute, Jesus showed himself. He appeared on the road to Emmaus, and now they're talking about it. But they're not completely confident, and they're uncertain. And in the midst of their uncertainty, Jesus manifests himself. This is wonderful. In verse 31, It said that he vanished from their sight. This is on the road to Emmaus. This is talking about the two guys there. So he vanishes from their sight. They're having the Lord's table, communion together. Remember that. It says their eyes were opened, and then they understood it was Jesus. And then he vanishes. He's gone. So they're in Jerusalem. It says there in the text, we've already read it, they were talking about these things. They were talking about all that had unfolded in Jerusalem. They were talking about what it... The two experienced on the road to Emmaus. And in this meeting, in this conversation, Jesus stood, it says, among them. He appears. How did he appear? Was it that he just walked through a door? I don't think so. I think it was more than that. In John chapter 20 and verse 19, don't turn there, it says this, on the evening of that day, the first day of the week, which would have been Sunday, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood doors are locked. Jesus manifests himself. I don't think he's just walking through a door and there he is. I think he's miraculously appearing to them. I believe that God still manifests and shows himself miraculously. He can vanish. We know that he can vanish. We know that from the text. Well, if he can vanish, it stands to reason that he can reappear. And that's what he does. Jesus had not the regular physical body that was on earth when he was doing ministry. But when he died on the cross, was buried, rose again, he had a glorified body. <laughs> this is good news right here. You're going to have a glorified body. Theologians call it this. It's, it's, it's a body that's not unlike our physical body. It's still physical, yet it's much more than that. Jesus could travel supernaturally and very fast. Can you imagine? You want to go to Disney? Come on. You know, you're packing up the stuff. You don't even need to pack anymore. You don't even need to get in your minivan and spend 18 hours to go down to Orlando. You're just there. You got that glorified body. You're there for a couple hours, then you come back and carry on with the rest of your life. Imagine that capability. I think people in our culture are mesmerized by that superhero powers. And if you don't think I'm stretching it a little bit, you know how Marvel Comics has a a movie out like every four months because people are are intrigued with the supernatural. They're intrigued with these powers. Jesus had powers in his glorified body. We don't have those same powers now. We can't travel like that. I know that those who wrote Star Trek script, remember Star Trek? It started in 1966. Anybody a Trekkie here? We used to watch it all the time. And so Captain Kirk or others, Spock, would go to the transporter room, and they would be what? Do you Remember? Yeah, they would be beamed you know, this is like years ago. It's like 40 some, 50 years ago. And they're thinking, wow, to go from here to there. Just be me up, Scotty. You know, it's like, really? Just amazing. This is what Jesus could do. He was very fast. He would win every single race. Every single race. Fastest man on earth. Anybody who know who that is? Who's the fastest man on earth right now? Usain Bolt from Jamaica. Can you see Jesus and Usain Bolt on the starting line? Looking at each other. Jesus looking over at him. saying just like, oh, he's trying real hard, and Jesus is already at the other end. Just like that. It's a supernatural ability. So he vanishes and he reappears. Of course, the reason why I think it was miraculous and it wasn't going through just the door, it says in the text that they were startled and they were frightened. And they thought that Jesus was what? The ghost. The ghost, the ghost appears. And they're startled and frightened. Now, it could mean that they were just totally startled and frightened because it was the resurrected king, and I think it was part of that. Jesus had died. They knew that. He was buried. Now he's standing there in front of them. I think that, wow, you know, startled. Maybe there is some of that, but I think it's beyond that. I still think in the midst of all of this, there's uncertain. This is wonderful because Jesus still shows up in our uncertainties. He says to them, why are you troubled, and why do you doubt? What are they struggling with? They're struggling with these uncertainties, and Let me just go down a list of some things that you might be struggling with in your life as far as uncertainties, maybe financial uncertainty. You ever gone to the tax person, it's not good news? You owe in, right? Ah, uncertainty. Maybe you lost your job and there's uncertainty about that. Maybe something has happened in your life physically and you're thinking your health is, my future is uncertain. I remember when my mom got cancer not only just once but twice and there was the uncertainties and and, and it was like oh god what's going to happen to my mom and and she was having these uncertainties in our family and I was a new christian at the time and i just went to the lord i said lord oh god this is this is hard this is hard and i'm, I'm trying to hold on to this hope and I'm trying to move forward and i'm crying out to the lord and amazing amazing my mom's first cancer, uh, I went to her house with Lisa, and, and we were giving her the gospel. We were talking about Jesus. And I said to my mom, and I, I've been praying so hard before this, I'm like, God, my mom needs to know you. She needs to know you. I said, God, I said, would you open her eyes? Would you, would you manifest? Would you come down? Would you save my mom? And we're sitting at the breakfast table, and I said to my mom, Mom, if I could switch places with you, and I would have your cancer, and you could have my Jesus, I would switch places with you. It was just something that God inspired me to say. You could see it just come over. The Spirit of God came over her, and tears were in her eyes, and she started calling on the name of the Lord, and she called on his name to forgive her of her sins and to be born again. Then she got cancer a second time and went through that totally and completely different. The nurses and doctors were like, whoa, what happened to you? She was different. Listen, Jesus still manifests in our uncertainties. Do you believe that? Listen, if you're going to have hope help you to move forward, you've got to believe that he manifests. Wherever you're at in your uncertainty financial, physical, job situation, maybe your kiddos, something's going wrong with your kiddos. I mean, they're teenagers maybe and they're going sideways and it's like they're doing things that you know that they shouldn't be doing and, and you're uncertain about maybe their salvation or where they're going to end up. How do you move forward through all of that? Jesus is going to manifest himself to you. He already is. He's wonderful to do that for you. But do you believe it? So Jesus comes, he says peace to them. It's interesting that he said peace. He doesn't come and say hope. He says peace. They're in this anxiety-ridden uncertainty, and peace is the thing that Jesus speaks into their life. And I don't know if it really helps immediately. I still think they still battled. You'll see some of that. What's fantastic is that, that this is a God who really knows our needs. He knows exactly where we're at. And I still think, and I'm going to say this again, probably another couple times at the end of the sermon, that Jesus still manifests. Now, he's at the right hand of the Father. Obviously, it's the Spirit of God. It's the Spirit that he sent. And so the Spirit's going to manifest. Albeit, maybe not with all the special effects, right? Not quite the same. He could. I not going to say he couldn't do that. But God still comes down. He still shows up. At harvest, we call that Glory. It's the, it's the glory of God. It, it's the glory coming down. And, and this is what we need at this church. Man, I hope that you don't just sit there in that, that chair and it's just like a show, like you're coming to a movie and you're looking up here and it's just like a, it's more than that. And I hope that you come to church and you go, God, I want you to show up here. Because I got a husband that really needs you. I got a wife that is really struggling with depression and she really needs to come out of that would you show up here? Would you manifest? See, if you sit in these chairs, this is the danger of, of the way the modern church is set up, right? It's, it's everybody's looking at the back of everybody else's head. This is why small groups, because you go face-to-face. It's different dynamic, way different. I love this. There's a part in the church for this. But, you know, my heart really is moving in a, in a large way towards small groups and having more of those and having everyone involved in those. God manifests and he's pushing back some things in your life right now. Doubts, they're leaving. And this is what you need to say to doubt. This is what you need to say. You're going away. Just speak to these things. I don't, I, don't, I don't mind speaking to these things. Fear, you don't have any place in my house anymore. Doubt, you don't have any place in my mind anymore. You just need to leave. That's God manifesting his spirit through me and in me. and Things are changing. It's changing for you. you wouldn't be here. You wouldn't be here. Number two, hope helps us to move forward when we believe that God still manages to take us from what is comfortable to what is uncomfortable. Did you see the order there? Notice on the screen, verses 39 to verse 43. Take your eyes to the Bible. Verse 39 to 43. See my hands? Look at this. He says, see my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. Oh, he's showing, not the same way, but he's showing you things about himself. And he's doing this in a literal sense here in meeting, these men and women. Verse 41, and they, while they were still, watch this, they still disbelieved. They still disbelieve for joy. They got this weird thing happening inside. It's like, I'm, I'm happy, but I'm like, whoa, I don't understand this, but God, I feel something. And they were marveling. He said to them, have you anything here to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and he ate it before them. Wow, he's doing that to, man- to show that he's also physical. It's important for, to know that Jesus resurrected, not just in a, in a spirit, that's the Jehovah's Witnesses, you got to have a, a literal body, bodily resurrection. That's important. So he's eating in front of them to show, but yet he's not quite the same as he was. We talked a little bit about that. He's managing to take these people from from a place of comfortable to uncomfortable. Their whole life, when Jesus came on the scene, was was being stretched, and there was this massive uncomfortableness of fear, anxieties, and battles with doubts and. Ever since Jesus was crucified and was buried. And so this is what's happening. And he says, touch me. He's saying, touch me. Oh, there's somebody in the room here that needs to, to take this. Maybe not literally, like physically, but you need to come to him. Like that woman who is breaking through the crowd. And you need to come through the crowd and you're like, wait a minute. I just want to get near him so I can touch him. Touch the hem of his garment. Do you remember that? And some of you are going to get that healing. Some of you are going to get that deliverance. If you break through all of that and you're saying, I don't care what people think. I don't care what people think. I'm going to go and I'm going to touch them. He's asking them to touch. Why? To prove that he's physical, but it's more than that. It's much more than that. These people once walked in a comfortable place. Do you remember walking in your life in comfortable places? Do you remember that time when you were more comfortable than you are now? I had a man say to me many years ago, a friend of mine, and our life was just collapsing around us. And He says, don't be so quick to get out of the fire. I was like, really? That's the best you can give me? Fortunately, he was my friend, right? And I knew him for quite a while, so if he wasn't, I would have been just like, what? You're like Job's friends. What are you doing? You know, back off. Don't be so quick to get out of your uncomfortableness. In America, we're conditioned for comfortable. How many people know that's the truth, right? You are conditioned to be comfortable. If you go to a third world country where it's uncomfortable in a lot of ways, then you come back to America, you'll see what I'm talking about. We were in Guatemala some years ago. You're talking about living a life of uncomfortableness all the time. In America, we don't get that. But if you're in a place of uncomfortableness, circumstantially, financially, relationally, whatever it may be, don't be so quick to get out of that. Because this is what he's doing. He's, he's, he's allowing this uncomfortableness with these men, with these disciples, and he's doing something in the middle of all of that. He's showing things about himself that they've never seen before, and he's doing the same for you. You're going to see Jesus in a way that you've never seen him before. It doesn't happen in those comfortable places. I remember coming out of our uncomfortableness and getting to a place of comfortableness. I'm like, Jesus, where are you? (laughs) I started to lose the sense of God because in the uncomfortableness, I sensed him more than ever. But yet Christians today are just saying, give me comfortableness, comfort Christianity. I'm going to say to you is what we're seeing here is that God uses uncomfortableness. Embrace this. Embrace it. It's for a season. The Bible says that you're going through the valley of the shadow of death. It says you're going through that. It doesn't say you're going to live there the rest of your life. You feel like you're living there the rest of your life, right? But you're going through that. It's a season, it's not going to be forever. So embrace what God wants to do in this uncomfortableness. He's taking you further with Himself. I try to give illustrations so that it connects with you about our pain. Lisa and I are acquainted with pain. We understand pain now. We understand uncomfortable Christianity. And so I remember just being at the lowest of the low. I'm talking just shattered, broken man, crying every single day, fearful every single day, struggling with doubts and certainties every single day. I said, oh, Jesus, Jesus, where are you? I once walked with you. But now I don't even sense your presence anymore. And this is what he said to me. He goes, Chris, I'm already on the other side. I'm already here. I just want you to look at me and keep coming. And I can visualize in my mind. I don't know if it was a vision or not. I don't know. But I could I visualize Jesus going, like, come here, grab my hand. Keep coming. Keep coming. You're doing it. You're doing it. You're going to get to the other side of all of this. Gives me goosebumps to even talk about it. It's like, wow, this is like Christianity. Just crazy Christianity. So then when my life got more comfortable, I didn't sense it as much anymore. I'm like, whoa. Success started coming. Not suffering, but success started coming. I'm like, ah. Oh. Embrace what he's doing in your uncomfortableness. See my hands and my feet, he says. See my hands and my feet. And I died for you. And I went from an uncomfortable place to a place of ultimate comfort when my father was comforting me. I'm at the right hand of the father. He went through uncomfortable to get to comfortable. We're going from comfortable to uncomfortable. when We're putting a stop to that. It's not God's plan. You got to believe it. Number three. Number three. We're looking at how hope helps us to move forward. Number three is God still moves us to deeper levels of understanding. Notice verse 44. We're going to look down to verse 49. 44 says, Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Watch this. This is beautiful. Then he opened their minds to understand what? The scriptures. And he said to them, Thus it is written, thus it is written, that the Christ should suffer. And on the third day, rise from the dead. And that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. The Holy Spirit's coming. We'll know about that in the book of Acts. And, and, but stay here in this city until you are clothed with power from on high. This is wonderful. He's moving them to deeper levels of understanding. Listen, when, when you grow older, should our understanding increase? How many people would agree with that, Right? You know, I'm 52 years old. If you came over to my house, like a, sitting on the floor in Indian style with my little G.I. Joes and my matchbox cars, would you think something was a little odd? My understanding should keep going from seven to eight to nine to ten, up to adulthood, right? It just makes sense. Our understanding needs to keep going deeper, and changes need to keep happening. short-circuiting what God wants to do. We mature in Christ. I can remember learning how to swim. Everybody starts in the the shallow end. I I was thinking about this as I'm writing this down in my office. (laughs) I'm thinking, wow, I'm having these flashbacks of when I learned how to swim. And I'm in the shallow end. And of course, the instructor is wanting us to hold on to the side and kick our feet and get used to all of that. And and I can remember looking down at the far end of this massive pool, and the waters got darker because I knew that they were getting deeper. And It was only 12 feet, but to a little kid, it was like 100 feet. And then eventually and gradually, as I got better at swimming then I got to go down into the deep end. And then there was this high dive. And I used to look at that high dive going like, wow, one day, one day, you know. remember the first time I went off that high dive. Of course, you don't go off the high dive straight out. I was too scared, so I went towards the ladder, right? And then eventually I went straight out. We've got to go to the deep end of the pool. We've got to go to the deep end. This is what the Bible says. There's nothing better in life than maturing in our understanding of who Jesus is and what he's doing in our life. Our knowledge of Scripture must follow this path. The Bible says that we go from milk to what? Not chocolate milk. Come on, what's it go from milk to what? What's it go to? Meat. It goes from milk to meat. That's where it goes. And Paul said to the Corinthians, wait a minute, you're still on that milk thing. What's he saying to them? Go deeper. Not just putting Bible knowledge in your head but deeper in that, that revelation of who God is and who Jesus is to you. Some of you are sitting there, and it's, it's just Jesus to you is just, he's just like anybody else on the street. He's not the one you go to and you say to him, I love you, Jesus. And you're having this relationship with him. He's distant. He's a stranger. You say you believe in him. You say that you're a Christian, but it's just not the same. There's something missing. And I want to encourage you that this understanding that he's calling us to. He wants to open up your understanding to who he is in a fresh and new and exciting way. So here's this miracle of the opening of their minds, their understanding to the scriptures concerning Jesus Christ. So easy to get lost in all this knowledge and try to pump knowledge into us and every book that I read and I read a lot of books. Christian books, mostly, and I, I pray, God, I I want I don't want just this to go in my mind. I don't want this to go into just some place in my brain. I want this to cause my heart to be devoted to you. I gave a book out on Thursday night to the men. little tiny book, right, Brian? I said, Brian, because he got born again about, I said, who got born again closest to the date that we're in now? And he didn't know what I was going to do. They didn't know. And so I said, uh, what is it? and Brian said, I, I was, okay, I said, Brian, here's a book. I want you to read it in a week. One week you have. And you're doing pretty well, right? You said you're a third of the way through. It's The Pursuit of God by A.W. Tozer. It's about this thick, but it's huge in understanding of who God is. And I said to Brian, I said, pray before you read that. Pray. Pray, Holy Spirit. I don't want it just going into his brain. I don't want it just going into his head. Oh, I just finished this, Chris. I finished it. Yeah, so What? I'm hoping and praying for you, brother, that you're like, wow, God is showing up. I'm going deeper with God. I'm going deeper with him. That's the objective. This is what's going on here. If you want hope to be able to move you forward, you've got to have your understanding open today. Don't leave the same person. Number four, finally. Hope helps us to move forward when we believe that God still makes sure that we have everything that we need to live lives that are uncommon. Go down to verse 50, and this will end Luke's gospel. This is only a four, four verses, but it's profound. It's known as the Ascension, and he led them out as far as Bethany. Bethany is about, it's like Reading to Mount Penn, so the Mount of Olives is there, and, and he's leading them from Jerusalem, and they're going over the mountain, and they're going to this town of Bethany, and so it's like that. If we're in Reading, and we're going over to Mount Penn, we kind of scoot around Mount Penn into the town of Mount Penn, and in that area. So that's what he's doing. He's leading them out to this town called Bethany. It's a little village, and he's lifting up his hands, and he's blessing them. He's lifting up, and he's blessing these people. And while he blessed them, verse 51, he parted from them, and he was carried up into the heavens, and they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. This is not the same group. Something is happening in this, this moment, the ascension, as he's leading them to Bethany, and as he's lifted, he's He's brought back up into heaven. And they were continually in the temple blessing God. This is an amazing four verses. There's so much here. It's not recorded in the other Gospels, Matthew, Mark, or John. It's recorded here. Luke's doing this, and you'll see in Luke or in Acts chapter 1 who carried over uh, from the mission of Jesus to the mission of the church or the mission of you and I as we take the Gospel forward. We'll see that in just a quick second because I want to finish on Acts chapter 1. So he departs, and he goes back to the Father, and he's being elevated up, and it must have been an unbelievable miracle to watch him ascend into the, into the heavens. And so, and so if you're there, and you're watching Jesus go up, it's like, well, where is he going? If you're, sitting, if you're there, you've got to think like this. It's, it's like we're thinking, okay, he's being lifted up. He's going into the clouds. The clouds received him. Where did he go after that? Did he go out into space? I mean, is he, is he, does he just keep going out there? I don't think that was in the physical dimension it's the spiritual dimension and so he's, he's going up into the heavens they're allowed to see it for a while and then and then he, he's gone into heaven it's not like he's on the edge of space he's moving into a different dimension it's an, an amazing miracle that's going on here these are different people these aren't the same they had gone through this process and jesus had secured their faith and their allegiance This is what's happening here. These These are not uncertain people anymore. These are people that are sure. This is a miraculous event. and What we're seeing here is something that is deeply profound. Salvation has been completed. Christ's physical limitations are gone. His name is elevated to the highest place. He begins his preparation of our heavenly home not going to be exciting to get to heaven it's like whoa jesus you did an awesome job he went to heaven to prepare a place he's passing the work on to us and he's triumphant over uh, over satan all of that in the ascension i go to acts chapter one because luke is the author of acts acts chapter one we'll close with this i love this he blessed them Verse 51, he was blessing them. What does this mean? He was pledging to them everything that they would need to live the Christian life and to do mission with him. So here's a little bit more extensive, detailed description of the ascension by Luke. Now it's in the book of Acts, chapter 1, verses 6 to 11. Verse 6, and so when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not... For you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power. Watch this. This is important for us to know how to move forward with hope. That God is still doing this for us. He's providing everything that we need to live the Christian life. And here it's power. You're going to receive power when the Spirit of God has come upon you and you're going to be my witnesses to Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. When he had said these things, as they were looking on, He was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, not gazing into heaven as when you die and go to heaven, but gazing up into heaven, maybe they saw it, I don't know. We're not giving a whole lot of detail on this. Behold, two men stood by them in white robes. Who are these guys? They're angels. And they said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Amazing, amazing truth. What a provision. These are uncommon Christians. We're called to be uncommon. Peter said this in 2 Peter 1.3, that his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him. So in verse 51, he parts from them, but there's no doubts anymore. There's no fears. They're actually worshiping him continually in the temple. That says something about where they're at. They have this amazing confidence. The peace is there. The strength is there. There's no more hope deferred. It's not there anymore. In the book of Acts, you'll see them doing amazing things in the name of Christ. They were able to move forward. Listen, it always comes back to trusting God. I'm going to tell you, do not trust your finances more than Jesus. Don't trust having a wonderful family and the health of your family. That's not where your hope is. Your hope isn't in a great vacation or having a fat bank account. It's not there. It's not in your health. It's not in having a great job or a house. It's not even having a spouse. If you're single today and you're struggling as you get older, I've met a lot of people in ministry that struggle as they get older. They're like, oh no. And and my encouragement to you is your hope isn't in finding a spouse. Your hope is God. And if you can't have children like my wife and I, we had to learn our hope isn't having children. It's in having God. This is who he's, he's giving you himself. That's where the hope is. Not in any of these other things. Nothing wrong with those. But if they take the place of God, you'll never be able to move forward. So when piles of pain are around you, and piles of pain, and you might be in this pile like Job was. He was in an ash heap, and that's how they, they mourned, and they went through their suffering. And He's sitting there in a pile of ash. You're in a pile of pain. This is what God's doing for you. I am confident of this. This isn't schmoozing. This isn't for effect. God has led you here. At this time and at this season. So that hope will be restored to you. So that you'll be able to move forward. You're moving forward again. This morning, you're moving forward. I am believing that. And if you're having a hard time believing it, then I'm going to believe it for you to some degree. Remember many, many years ago, during the season of our life. It was a mess. Just a complete mess. I remember stumbling over to this wall in our house. And I'm just stumbling into the corner and I'm just on my face and on my knees. I'm leaning up against the wall and I'm just crying. I'm like, I can't make it through. You know, if I could probably predict one of the greatest moments in my spiritual life, it was probably in that one moment. And I'm leaning up against this wall, and God is saying to me, Chris, you're not going to lean up on anything ever again in all of your life other than me. This is why I'm allowing this to happen to you. And some of you, he's speaking the same thing. You're leaning on this, and you're leaning on that, and you're leaning on this. This is your hope. This is not your hope. And so now you're going through some stuff, and you're coming back, and God is speaking to you. And he's saying, don't lean on this, and don't lean on that. I want you to lean on me. And I'm parting the ways, and all the obstacles are going to be moved out of the way so that you'll see me. So that you'll see me. And that's the road that I was on back then. So when I say this to you, I'm not just saying it to preach a message. I'm saying it because I know that it's true. I know that it's true. Let's pray together. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? I'm not sure where the Holy Spirit is specifically speaking to you. We prayed at the front end of this message that the Spirit would speak and reveal and help you to see some things. So we looked at the Word of God. And that's what we're trusting. Holy Spirit, that you're the one that is doing the work supernaturally in all of our lives, in this room right now, at this time. I really hate what the enemy is doing to people in Reading. I really hate what the enemy has tried to do in many of the people in this room. And so we're praying against his devices, against his tactics, and his wily ways and you're bringing people back who haven't been in church in a long time it's so amazing it's it's your work God it's really not even in them they might think "Well, I got into a car and I came here no it's beyond that it's supernatural and so I'm praying for them and we're praying for those people that hope is being restored and they're able to move forward and they sense that where they're at now is not where they're always going to be we praise you God for that because that is all the work of your hands Let's stand to our feet. God, we worship you, we praise you, we give you honor, and we give you glory. I'm going to encourage you during this song, anything that you need to lay down at the altar of God, anything that you're carrying, any burden, just lay it down at the altar as we sing this song. In Jesus' name.